Hello and welcome to Pet Biz Pep Talk, where we give you an insight into the dog grooming industry by talking to some of the world's leading experts. I'm your host, Georgia Gill from Savvy Pet Spa. Today, we're going to be talking to Christian Maris. He part owns Just Barking in London with his partner, and he has also set up the dog grooming business course, which is going rather well. Christian, thanks so much for joining us today. Tell me, first of all, how you got interested in the industry. Uh, sure. So it all started um, uh, X many about 17 years ago. My partner um, really wanted to set up a, a dog grooming uh, business. And, uh, and we also have another company where we manufacture higher end leather dog collars and leads. It's a company called Dogs and Horses. And um, so we... Um, we, we basically set up a business with the retail frontage and then um, grooming alongside that uh, with a view to creating a destination location that would serve uh, dog owners, both for, for uh, providing a grooming treatment, but then also kidding them out with the, with the leather dog collars and leads that we, that we make at our workshop in London. How easy was it to get started in the industry? Did you have a, a lot of help along the way? Uh, it, well, a lot of it was by kind of word of mouth and getting hints and tips from from people. Uh, my partner's family has a history of saddleries. So on the manufacturing side of things, we, we were well placed for that. But we knew very little about uh, grooming and the service that would be required. And um, we were able through a training center in West London to to get up to speed on on all the requirements uh, for it. But we yeah, effectively made it up as we went along in the beginning stages. What are the sort of basic tools you need to to set up in the industry? Well, it's it's interesting you ask. Um, one of the things that I did in 2015 is I, I wrote a book called The Dog Grooming Business Course, How to Set Up and Run Your Own Dog Grooming Business, whether that's at home um, as a mobile groomer or in a salon, like in a bricks and mortar commercial premises. And through this book, I sort of go through chapter and chapter of my lived experience of where we started. And it begins with a reality check. You know, is this really the right business for you? There needs to be that kind of sanity check um, about appreciating everything that goes into grooming in terms of the hard physical labor that is required, the dog handling skills, the people management, the customer relationship management, and, and the rest. Um, and then you you need to think about how much this is all going to cost and what your setup is going to look like. So, you know, creating a list of tools and equipment and putting prices and suppliers behind these kinds of things. And then also determining if you've actually got like a market for your business, what's the location for your business? Who is the customer that you're going to serve? And, um, and then moving on from that and getting familiar with some business concepts and creating a, a solid business plan that you can actually action and have some numbers against to make sure that you know you don't invest a whole bunch of time and money and effort and blood, sweat and tears into something that isn't right for you. So if your business plan stacks up and the numbers are workable and the rest of it, then you've got something to go with in terms of creating a, a project plan. And, uh, and then further along in the book, I describe uh, customer attraction and retention strategies and the rest of it. And, and I think um, you know this industry is is really really growing especially over the last few years with so many i think there's like three million new dogs just in the uk that have been acquired through the period that we've been living through with covid 
And uh, the demand for grooming is super high. If, you try, if you've got a dog and you're trying to book into a salon, a good salon with a good reputation, you could wait weeks before, you know, there's an opening available and more and more training centers are opening and more and more people are getting attracted uh, to the industry uh, with a view to becoming dog groomers and potentially setting up their own businesses. So I think my book is instructive for those purposes. And, uh, and then I've also just basically taken that, that content of that book and released this now as an online course, which is uh, available now and um, uh, and it is completely online and you, it's a self-study sort of thing. So you can move at a pace that is right for you. It's interactive because it includes worksheets and little quizzes and templates and resources that you can download so that, so that unlike me, you aren't making it up as you go along. And uh, I've, you know, sanity checked my course and the book that I wrote with um, friends and colleagues and other uh, instructors uh, in the in the dog grooming world who have sanity checked it and then they've given their approval and their thumbs up behind it. And uh, a, a lot of the commentary in terms of the feedback has been, wow, you know, this it, it'd be great if I'd had this when I first started my dog grooming business. So there are plenty of elements that go into setting up a dog grooming business. You can't just make it up as you go along. And, and therefore that's, you know, and I would say this, that's why I'd recommend something like uh, my online dog grooming business course. How difficult is it to um, get the pricing right? Because a lot of dog groomers um, are not comfortable with charging customers perhaps what they should be charging. No, absolutely. And I, I there's lack of customer awareness. Um, and this is one of the things that I talk about in my course and the emails that I send out and the rest of it. Um, I, I grew up at a time when a lot of dog groomers were really hobbyists. I, my accent is from Canada. I grew up in Western Canada and British Columbia. And I grew up with Cocker Spaniels and we would, you know, take our dogs. Uh, we were regular customers. We would go once a year, you know, to get the dogs all clipped off and shaved and nails trimmed. And it's, it's while well, we trimmed the nails at home, we could do that. And, um, it, you know, in some respect, it's, it's, you know, there was a viewpoint that saw groomers as, as hobbyists. Um, and, 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 and so, you know, that they're just sort of, uh, you know, making money at home kind of on the side and the rest of it, and it's not properly documented or run as, as a business and the rest of it. But what's happened over the generation is that dog grooming has become so much more professional. You know, it's properly supported by, you know, qualifications and training centers and a real protocol about, uh, and, and policies around how treatments need to be, be provided with all the safe dog handling uh, requirements and the health and safety considerations and you know control of substances hazardous to health. So all of these elements go into it. And that appreciation, you know, we're still working on getting pet owners to properly appreciate uh, and respect dog grooming as a proper vocation that you know has really come into its own now. And um, you know, pet professionals still often have a kind of an inhibition about charging their worth. And, you know, really it comes down to putting it, putting this down on pen and paper and figuring out what your outgoings are on a monthly basis and saying, okay, well, if I, if I'm grooming regularly five dogs a day as a solo groomer, for example, from my own home-based salon, and these are all my outgoings and, and this is what I need to be able to pay myself work back from that number and figure out what you need to be charging as a minimum. Um, and, 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 
And that's what you're going to have to charge. That's the, that's the price that has to exist for that treatment. Otherwise you don't have a business and, and you're effectively, um, you know, creating a, a thankless job for yourself because there's got to be an upside. This has to be uh, a vocation that you respect and you have to respect before the customer, the dog owner will respect. And uh, so this comes up again and again, you just go on any Facebook group and people are talking about pricing and they, they feel badly again. It's this kind of built-in inhibition about charging their worth. So it's gotta, it's gotta come from the numbers that you put down on a piece of paper and work and work backwards from that and, um, and establish what your pricing treatment, uh, what the treatment of your price, sorry, what the pricing of your treatment needs to be. That also gives you some, you know, extra so that you can afford, you know, to take holidays or pay school fees and school outings and the rest of it for your children and, and, um, and value the worth that you are providing because what you are doing, and I will add this is, is actually really something meaningful pet professionals are, uh, and pet groomers in particular are in the front line of, of cat and dog health and well-being and welfare. And, and, you know, the relationships that people have with their, with their pet cats and dogs is, is, is something that's really, uh, it's, it's emotionally in, you know, they're emotionally invested in their animals. They're members of the family. And they want to do what's right for them. That's why do they come, they come to the grooming salon in the first place. That's why they choose you as a groomer. And that's something that needs to be treasured. They chose you. Um, and they are willing to pay for it because they want to do what is right for their cat or dog. How, how important are business management systems like Savvy for running the um, management side of things smoothly? That's, you know, fantastic. Um, and again, you know, this really echoes the point where, you know, that I make earlier about dog grooming being, it's a, it's a proper vocation. It is a proper profession. And in order for groomers to be seen as professionals, they need to have professionalism in their business. And they, and they could do that in a number of ways. They can, you know, make sure that their salon and their front of house is properly uh, clean and tidy and looks good. And, you know, there's qualifications or certifications that are on the wall or ribbons from dog grooming competitions. And all of these things will reassure the dog owner that they are in the hands of a professional. And this is a pet professional. This is somebody, again, they're, they're in that front line. They are the expert and groomers need to see themselves as the expert and respect themselves as the expert. So, good manners, wearing a uniform, um, good customer service, the presentation, all of these things impart professionalism. Now, the technology these days is also so sophisticated that it can enhance um, that sense of providing a professional service. Something like Savvy, which I love because this is very much a technology that is tailored to the individual customer requirements. Um, it's technology that um, is is being is is tailored to what specifically is required of groomers in order to interact as professionals with their customers. So there's, you know, really good record keeping. There's um, the ability to send out rem email reminders or text or SMS reminders, and this is practical um, because that helps save time 
and money, when, especially when you set up all of this is automated. And um, it helps prevent no-shows. It is a fantastic service that reminds customers, you know, they've made the appointment, they want to go. And if they get the reminder, that's a helpful customer service message to them. It's not marketing, it's a service reminder. And, and that is good for your business as a dog grooming business, because with the automations in place, it saves time and money and it pr helps prevent no shows and it properly communicates policies about late arrivals or, you know, if you don't collect your dog on time and the rest of it. So, um, so it's good to have um, that in terms of the practical side of saving time and money. It's also really good uh, on a practical side, just to be able to record the notes of, of the grooming treatment that was provided, or if a dog has behavior issues and, you know, needs a different level of attention. Um, and, um, you know, you get to keep a record of, you know, the cut that was provided last, last time, whether that's like a seven F all over because the dog was badly matted or what comb attachment was used. Uh, and then you create this whole history of the dog's interactions with your business. And to have that insight and visibility on that, again, provides that, you know, customer reassurance that, um, that you are the expert, that you are the professional and that you, um, you know, as the expert, as, as the pet professional, likewise, take seriously the vocation and providing a treatment that is exceptional. The, the third thing I would add to that is that there's a big soft skills component to this as well. Things like adding the dog's birthday and perhaps sending out an automated happy birthday message. Um, you know, these are the things that you know, customers love to get this sort of thing because their dog or their cat is so important to them. And it's nice for them to get a message from their groomer that, that says happy birthday. And, and then as well, when the customer shows up and you're ready with your system and you can refer easily to your system and maybe in the history there, there's some mention of, you know, this customer's daughter traveling in Southeast Asia or their child graduating from school, you know, that kind of messaging is great. And it's good to bring that up and incorporate it into your interaction with your customer because it demonstrates that you care. And to have all of this at the touch of a button, uh, at a glance, easy visibility, again, it all just, you know, it's the soft skills side that enhances the professional relationship that you have with your customer. And that, again, falls into the retention strategies because we have the ability, you know, through our behaviors and through the technology that enables this kind of thing to shape our business into a business that, that we love and, and a business that is filled with customers who are a joy to serve. And, and that is super meaningful because there's not a lot of vocations and businesses and jobs out there where, you know, every single day you're providing a treatment five or six or 10 or more times a day where, you know, you are filling a customer with joy because you've done a really, really good thing for their cat or dog in terms of, you know, providing the, the treatment that makes them feel good, look good and, and is good. It's good for them. It's good for their well-being, their welfare. What are your kind of favorite dogs um, to, to groom? You mentioned that you grew up with Cocker Spaniels. Um, are, you, are there any breeds that you really love doing or don't like doing quite so much? Well, sure. I mean, so just to be fair, um, 
I'm not actually a groomer, um, but uh, my, my partner certainly is. And, uh, you know, I think every groomer will say that they love scissoring a poodle. And, uh, and that's, <laughs> that's why I think ownership of poodles, um, you know, among groomers is, is so high because, you know, it, there's a real creative element um, to grooming. And, you know, a, a poodle is a wonderful breed to, to groom for those purposes. And it really, uh, you know, keeps you current with the skills that you need. Uh, my own dog, um, I, have, I have several, but they uh, in, include two French bulldogs who um, don't require any scissoring skills. Um, and a couple of miniature dachshunds. One, one of them is a wire hair and my partner, you know, loves hand stripping. And, uh, and then we have an Australian shepherd and, uh, you know, he's got a big coat that needs brushing and blowing out and, uh, from, from time to time. Um, so, um, you know, and then where we're, we're based in West London, I, I think it's true for, um, every groomer out there, but, um, you know, the cockapoo or the, or the, you know, the poodle mixes is probably um, overrepresented um, at the salon. And, you know, and they're funny characters. And you can, you know, what I like to see is some of the Asian fusion elements that you can do, especially with the poodle mixes and how as it has a trend, this is, um, you know, really established over the last few years. Um, and uh, so it's, you know, I enjoy uh, seeing some of the results, especially of the the Asian fusion or the Asian freestyle uh, elements that uh, that do go on in grooming, um, it, most often with the with the poodle mixes. I was going to ask you about um, trends. That one has been really popular over the last couple of years. How do you think we we compare in the UK compared to places like Canada, America, in terms of keeping up with the trends and coming up with trends ourselves? Yeah, that, that's interesting. I think I mean Asian fusion. It, it's you know it's implied obviously by the name it's that's a trend that came out of you know the hong kong and singapore and japan um and you know it's catching on here in the uk um i think across the united states um there's a lot of development especially on the holistic side of grooming and you know using a lot of um ingredients that are mostly natural uh as compared to you know shampoos that are infused with loads of chemicals, which tends to be kind of like an old school style of grooming. And uh, um, w one of the things that, uh, that we have in our salon is we offer a micro bubbles uh, treatment, which is, uh, you, you know, 100% natural because it all takes place with water. And um, it's fantastic for ridding the coat of, uh, and the skin of uh, bacteria. Uh, likewise, the ultrasound teeth uh, treatment, the dental hygiene treatment. Um, this is a fantastic innovation that is super for a dog's oral health and hygiene. Uh, it creates all these micro bubbles in the mouth that help to get rid of the bacteria, even under the gum line and across the mouth and on the teeth and the, and the rest of it. And, um, so from my own observations, I think the UK is actually really progressive and you will find higher, uh, higher, higher spec salons, you know, across Canada, the United States, especially in the larger sort of built up metropolitan areas where you can get, you know, super lavish high end luxury treatment. So I think it kind of, uh, you know, the UK is aware of these things and surely we've got lots of groomers who 
you know, travel out uh, to, to Asia and pick up, um, you know, some of the stuff that's going on out there. But uh, there's a lot of interaction between American and or North American groomers and, and UK groomers. And these things do get picked up. And, you know, given the speed of communication and the, the uh, access to technology these days, um, I, I think the UK is, is actually really progressive and in a really strong place, um, you know, particularly on the, on the welfare, you know, on implementing uh, techniques and technology that uh, are beneficial to a dog's well-being and welfare. How important do you think things like awards are to the industry? You just had Crofts, of course. Um, are, they, are they important to keep up with? They, they, yes, I, I appreciate awards. I, I think like any small business, you know, we probably get an email a week or every two weeks from some um, random company that we've never heard of that is presenting some kind of award. So there is a little bit of a, um, not quite a, uh, you know, there's an element of like, well, you know, who the heck are you and why, why does your company have uh, any integrity about who gets an award? And um, so I think, you know, we need to be mindful of this, you know, awards that have been around and are established and have integrity behind the, the brand. Um, these are the awards that are important. So if it comes from somebody like the British Isles Grooming Association, for example, this is an established, uh, a bigger, uh, doesn't do any awards at the minute, but it's got to, what I'm suggesting is that, you know, this has to be a known entity rather than somebody that that you've never heard of before. As an example of this, um, my company, Dogs and Horses, and I'll just make a little plug here, but the independent, right? Okay, well-established UK brand runs what are called the Indie Best Buy Awards. And for the last few years running, uh, the Dogs and Horses Leather Collar has been named the number one overall best dog collar in the UK. Now, that is meaningful to me because that's from the independent and it's journalists um, who, who, you know, put these reviews together without any specific bias because they have to report what is, you know, the truth as they see it as compared to, um, uh, you know, these associations that invite you to, uh, you know, tell the, tell you that you've been nominated uh, and that you're up for an award and then try to sell you a, a table at a banquet at 50 pounds a head, um, you know, for, for, for the benefit. And, um, you know, so I think, I think we need to be careful and I think we need to go with trusted brands and providers when it comes to awards in the main. I think they're fantastic. I think, um, you know, it, it galvanizes people to do their best and to sort of distinguish them and their business um, as, uh, you know, as a unique selling proposition. You know, this is the award that we won. And then it, when you win that award or you get that nomination, you can put that certificate um, or that ribbon or that trophy on your wall. Again, it's something that provides customer reassurance. Um, but I say that again, just with that caveat about, you know, let's be careful about who is providing and presenting the award. You mentioned there the British Isles Grooming Association and your chairman. How did that come about? That's um, pretty impressive. Yeah, the British Isles Grooming Association was created in... Uh, well, the conversations began in about 2015, and it's it's essentially a it's a it's a trade association for pet grooming businesses, and it's completely, uh, primarily volunteer run, and so um, and it's and it's run by groomers for groomers. Now, around that around 2015 or so, and this has been going on probably for some time even longer, 
but there's been talk of regulation coming to the industry. And um, now the people who will put the, those regulations together um, are DEFRA, so the, the Department for the Environment and Food and Rural Affairs. Uh, and DEFRA relies on the advice and guidance that is given to them by the canine and feline sector group, the CFSG. Now, the CFSG will pull together, as they did in October 2018, the um, what was called an animal activity license. And uh, this has been rolled out, for example, for daycares and uh, so like a doggy daycare, uh, as well as other related activities. And the writing, I, I expect it, you know, the writing is on the wall. At some point, regulation will come to this industry. Yet, groomers themselves, okay, are underrepresented within the CFSG. There's actually no groomer that is speaking on behalf of groomers when it comes to the, the creation of an animal activity license for groomers. And, and so this was the view that was taken back in 2016. Look, we've got to get ourselves, we have to create this association that is for groomers, by groomers, so that, you know, because our, our, our livelihoods, our business, depend on having a voice at government level um, before we have others tell us how our businesses need to be shaped. Because if we do that without involving groomers in the process, and not to suggest that groomers wouldn't be consulted, of course they would be, but it would be helpful that at the CFSG level, there was some direct input from actual groomers and dog grooming business owners or pet grooming business owners about the legislation that would, would be coming. Because what happens when the legislation gets created and they get, uh, then gets rolled out across the councils, you will have somebody in the council, you know, with, with their clipboard who won't know a thing about grooming and they're just sort of working from the documentation. And they'll be ticking the boxes about whether or not you're observing this legislation. Well, before that happens, it'd be really, really helpful that groomers actually have a say in what that legislation looks like. So BIGA was created for those purposes. And, um, and I, you know, I'm glad to say, you know, we're six years old now. And um, the association has, uh, we've recently taken on a, a, a new director of operations. And um, she's going to be reaching out more and more to get some more direct involvement. We've already had an experts panel that was involved in uh, creating a first draft of, you know, the proposed animal activity licensing for groomers. And these were all groomers who were able to sort of get involved and be part of that particular process. And, and that's an important thing to have, because again, it sort of goes back to my, you know, to the starting point of our conversation, which is we've got to be professional. We have to see ourselves as professionals and we have to stand up for our professionalism and make sure that we're not fobbed off by somebody who thinks they know best for groomers. No, actually, Groomers get to have a say, and I'm glad that's what Bigger stands for. That's why Bigger was created, and and that's why Bigger continues to exist. And um, you know, and our membership will continue to grow and develop as people sort of appreciate as well that you know it is through Bigger that 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 groomers and dog and pet grooming business owners have an actual say in this process and other things like it. Um. Uh. And, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, this can, it can be a slightly thankless role. Um, other people sort of think, okay, well, you're an association and, 
It's, there's, you know, we're just waiting for your top-down directives or whatever, but that's not the case at all. Biga is owned by its members. It is a, an association, a community of like-minded individuals and other groomers, and it's, it's their association. It's your association. And um, the, the benefit of Biga, therefore, is, is that we, we get to be involved uh, in, in this process and um, it's sometimes the one the one thing that I sometimes worry about is that people will assume that well if there's already other groomers involved then my interests are are necessary are are being represented. Well, I kind of think that's not enough. I think you know the more unified we can be, the more on message we can be, the more we can all sing from the same hymn sheet in stronger numbers than the louder our voice and the more tangible the difference we will make to making this industry more professional and the more professional we make this industry the the more customers will start to treat us as professionals you go on any facebook group and you'll see complaints from groomers that they're not being treated with respect by owners and that's because again it goes to this idea that people that dog that dog owners or pet owners don't necessarily see groomers as professionals. Maybe they still have in mind, oh, you're the hobbyist, or what kind of expertise does it take to wash and bathe and brush and style a dog? Well, actually, it takes a heck of a lot, and anybody who's been through training and earned their qualification can can attest to that. And and it's all part of communicating this to dog owners. Bit by bit, groomer by groomer, dog owner to dog owner, so that that respect is there, and so that there is a, a professional courtesy from pet groomer to pet owner, but also back from pet owner to pet groomer. You lead me nicely on to your future. What have you got in store um, for your career over the next five years or so? Any more books in the pipeline? You're going to continue doing your course stuff. Yeah, so uh, so the course is launched and it's a very, you know, it's an entry level course. It's great for uh, new people in the, in the industry who um, want to go down this path of potentially setting up their own business and or, you know, anybody who's still relatively new and not sure, uh, you know, they may need a refresher or a sanity check. The thing about training and, and getting qualification is that um, the, the, the competitive component on the bit about the business side of things is is treated fairly lightly which makes sense of course because in the main you know you're going through training you're getting the practical training you are getting the um the the, the written the theoretical the academic side uh, in the training and then the business side tends generally to be glossed over or um you know left for later and um and so i you know, so so my course helps to kind of address that particular gap. Um, but, you know, there's plenty more where that came from. Um, you know, if you sign up for the course, there's an ongoing email series where I continue to share tips and tricks and insights. There's also various uh, downloadable templates and, and resources uh, that I do share um, with with people who who sign up uh, to the course or or follow the email series. and. Um, yeah, there's a couple of other things uh, that that fit neatly into this that I that I will be coming out with uh, over the next little bit. And meanwhile, um, you know, my full time role is still within Dogs and Horses, uh, 
where we run the manufacturing of uh, the leather dog collars and, and leads. But um, um, I, I live in, in West London in an area called Kensal Rise. And uh, so I've got, uh, you know, the where I live is right nearby to the workshop where I work. And then the grooming salon is also right nearby in this kind of neat little triangle. I can, you know, easily walk from A to B to C, uh, you know, within a 10 or 15 minute walk each time. Although I drive far more than I should, I should be walking more. But it's nice to have that, and it's nice to you know keep the salon going um, because it keeps us connected to to our customers. And so I'm in there every day, um, you know, just for just for a few minutes at a time because the salon we've got a really good, really good, nice, strong team in place that are doing terrific work. Um, but I like to sort of keep close to it um, and 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 make sure that, uh, you know, we're still members of this community and that we're properly engaging and still meeting the, you know, all the dog owners out there and making sure that they're happy with the, with the products that we make, but then also the grooming that we provide. Christian, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're a very busy man. Um, best of luck in the future. Georgia, it's been a pleasure and a privilege. Um, you know, thank, thank you for this time. And, um, you know, keep up the good work at Savvy as well. Um, I'm in a past life was an IT consultant and I appreciate everything that goes into, into, you know, creating a, a tailor-made uh, software and system that, um, you, you know, enhances uh, our ability to run business as professionals. And, you know, Savvy, uh, you know, really ticks the boxes in, in those respects. So, so well done to the Savvy team. And if you'd like to find out more, you can head over to our YouTube channel at Savvy Pets Bar. We'd also love it if you give us a follow over on Facebook and Instagram and find out how your business can benefit from one of the best pricing strategies and business management systems in the industry. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'll see you soon. Yeah.